0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Got an exciting episode for you today. We're going to be interviewing a new friend of mine, but I've been following him for a long time, His name is Bill Allen from Seven Figure Flipping. He's got his own podcast. I was real good friends with his friend as well, mutual friend. He bought the company from Justin Williams. So we're going to be talking about Bill, what he's doing in this market now, kind of how he, the main thing I want to ask him is, what are you seeing that's working today? You know, what are you seeing in the market, the shifts that are happening and what do you see in the, so it's going to be a really, really good podcast. I'm looking forward to talking to him. I'm going to bring him on here in a second. First of all, a couple announcements. Number one, A lot of you all are watching this right now on YouTube or Facebook live. So hello. And if you can, please type in the comments and say, hey, what's going on? Tell us where you're from. And if you have a question, type it in the Facebook comments or the YouTube comments. And then I can pop them up on the screen and maybe ask Bill a question and just love to give you a shout out and give us a thumbs up. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. I'd really appreciate it. And if you're listening to the audio of this podcast, hey, what's going on? Don't forget, you can get all the show notes and the transcripts of the podcast at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. All right, so I got something cool for you. You've heard me talking about it before. I wrote a new book called Recession Proof Real Estate Investing, and you can get your hands on this for only $7. It's a PDF, so you don't have to wait for it to be shipped out to you. But it's a really good book that I created. And it's got a lot of color images and charts. And I walk through kind of how you need to position yourself in this economy that we're in right now. And it doesn't matter if we're going to keep, you know, if the prices are never go down, if they go keep going up or if prices go down or if foreclosures, all the tsunami of foreclosures that everybody's talking about comes, it doesn't matter. These are things that you need to be understand to prosper in Times of recession. We are in a recession, whether you think so or not, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, or whether you wear masks or not, or whatever, right? So, this book you can get your hands on for seven bucks. And it's one of my best books ever. I talk about what to think and how to prepare in this kind of a climate. And then also the three or four things that you must be doing to do a lot of deals. Like, for example, know how to make multiple offers. Number two, how to find good, solid buyers, because there's always buyers, whether the market's going up or down. And number three, how to set up systems to do your follow-up. I think those are the three big things that will differentiate you from every other investor in the market. So get your book right now. Go, go, go get it at reiproof.com, reiproof.com. All right. Are we good? All right. Let's bring on Bill. Hopefully I can get this to work. There he is. Bill, Mr. Bill Allen. How are you, man? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Good. I wish everybody could see your background. It looks like it's a really well done professional background, but because we're split screen right now, you can't see it. And it makes me jealous. So, man, you look good.
1: I appreciate it. I have a videographer named Andre who has slaved over this for months to get it just perfect. And I was fine, um, I don't know, in my home office with a white background, (laughs) but it it definitely looks better. You're right.
0: If Andre ever is in the St. Louis area, let me know. I'll I'll make him come to my office. I'll pay him to do that for me. That looks really cool. I appreciate Um, it.
1: Hey, so where do you live, Bill? So I live just south of Nashville, Tennessee, a suburb of Nashville called Spring Hill, Tennessee. It's uh, about thirty minutes south.
0: Super cool. All right, and you. Let's talk about your background a little bit. How did you get into real estate investing? So I was a
1: Navy pilot. I flew uh, helicopters and airplanes for the Navy for active duty for almost fifteen years. While I was doing that, I was investing in the stock market a ton. Like I, I studied index funds. I was always taught to save. I really didn't mess around in real estate much, but I had a C I had a commanding officer who told me one time, he said, I bought a house everywhere that I lived. At each time I moved, I'd buy a house and I always made money. So that stuck with me for a long time. And when I started moving around, I moved 15 times in 18 years oh. with the Navy. So I started buying a house after probably my first three duty stations I rented. And then after that, I, I would buy a house. And I, that was. think it was, if you don't
0: mind me asking, uh, yeah. cause I've always wondered this, were you able to do that with VA loans?
1: So it's funny because I never used a VA loan. I was wow. putting 20% down. I, d- I was like allergic to the funding fee. I was so cheap. We, we might get into this, but I was incredibly cheap. I looked at everything as an expense. Like it's just the funding fee. I could roll it into the loan. I didn't know anything about it, right? So this funding fee of like two and a half percent, it just didn't make sense. My first house I bought, I used the eighty twenty mortgage, so oh. I got a second mortgage. It was two thousand six, so they I just signed my name and they gave me one hundred percent financing, and so I didn't have to worry about the VA loan. And uh, but I, I eventually did. I used a I used the VA loan a couple times to buy some rental property, and it was great. No money down. They actually paid me a thousand dollars to close on one of the houses that I bought, and I I would run them all as rental. Going back a little bit, I I basically just kind of like moved around, bought a couple houses, fixed them up myself. I was single at the time. And then when I got married and we were having our first son, that's when I I had to wake up and I realized that I couldn't just go out and party and spend money and stuff like that. I really had to think about becoming financially free was my goal. And now I had to take care of three people on one salary from the government. And so that's when I had a couple of rental houses. I started to see my net worth go up and I, I actually bought another house to be a rental. And my realtor said, you know, you could sell this thing and make some good money. And so we did, we made $43,000 and that was like half of my income from the military in like four or five months. And it, that was a huge game changer for me. The light bulb kind of went off and I said, all right, now h- how do I do this again? So I was basically flipping one house a year while I was flying for the, for the Navy. And then I, then I wanted to do more. I heard people doing hundred houses a year. I said, how do I do that? And so when you retired from the Navy, when what year was that? Uh, so I still fly for the Navy part-time, actually. Oh, you do? So, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I'm in my 18th year. I left the Navy almost 15 years, but I actually started my business. I, I was growing and scaling my company while I was still active duty. I got to the point where we did 135 deals in a year, uh, wholesaling and flipping, at just over like $1.3 million in t- top-line kind of gross profit while I was still active duty. Had a team of six working for me.
0: And, you're, and wait, I'm so you're married, right?
1: Uh, married, and I, ha- I had one son at that time. Yeah. Wow. I have three kids now. I have three boys now. Okay.
0: So. I didn't know how to where to go with that. Like, he's, you don't have that son anymore, or?
1: <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. He's still he's still with us uh, all the. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, you froze out at some up point, a bit. But yeah, we've got three little boys: a uh, six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old.
0: All right. Cool. You're still flying for the Navy. How cool is that? And you were able to run a seven-figure business while working. Part time? Yeah. Part-time? I would, no, full time.
1: I was flying probably ten or twelve hours a day, five days <laughs> a week, and then one one weekend a month I had to go fly and basically either fly locally or, or fly you know away. I, I'll tell you the, the biggest thing that I did was I, I just had to put in the work. I was basically running two full time jobs at that time. And I told my wife when I when I wanted to scale the business, I said I said Lucy, I really want to get this business off the ground. I think there's a lot here um, that we can do, but I'm probably not going to be present for this year that much, and I'm going to put in the time. And and I did. I, I would work two hours before before work. I'd get, I'd get up early, get up like 5 a.m., 5.30. I'd work till seven when my son got up. We'd have breakfast, Go. I'd go fly. Uh, then I'd come back and have dinner, play with my son, Will, put him to bed, and then go in the office for another two or three hours and repeat that every day.
0: Wow, that's crazy. All right, so good for you. Thanks for your service too, by the way. Welcome. So, what are you doing now? Like Justin Williams, mutual friend, he had the podcast called House Flipping HQ, right? And a couple years ago, did you buy that from him or what happened there?
1: Yeah, so I was listening to the podcast. He's actually the guy at that time where I was flipping one house a year. I heard him; he's doing hundreds of houses a year, and I said, "This guy's lying. This isn't true. There's no way." And so I joined his program, his mastermind group. I paid, you know, a bunch of money to join that, and that kind of helped me grow my business. And I and I did. I spent the next kind of two years as a paying member of the mastermind group, and then he asked me to come in and and help coach as I started to see success, and then became the COO of the company for the next year, and then when he was ready to kind of pull the ejection handle. I was there and I, uh, it was a little over a year ago, July of last year, 2019 that I bought the company. Oh, wow. And now I, it was, uh, now I, I now it was, yeah, we started talking in June and then like a Wednesday I was on vacation. I got back on Saturday and then Monday we came up with an agreement and we were off to the races. That was it. So
0: <laughs> that's funny. Cause we're in a, me and Justin were in a mastermind together at the time. And you said something like he just retired and started playing pickleball. All the time, or is that where Yeah,
1: yeah. At the time, he, he like the the second that we did that virtual handshake over a Zoom call he basically like was checked out and I I was happy because that's what I wanted to do at that. Right. When that moment happens, um, I took this kind of ownership of that company of the decisions. I made some adjustments to the marketing and all the things that we were doing. And I I just, he just took a back seat and then we solidified everything on July 1st of that year, 2019. And yeah, then I I called him a couple of times to get some information, but I tried to leave him alone. And I talked to Tara, his wife, and she just said like, He's just around the house, hanging out. I don't know what Please he's getting Please get him out of here. get out of here. And he told me he's playing pickleball, volunteering at the church, spending a lot of time with the kids' school and doing all the stuff that he probably hadn't been doing for a while that he missed.
0: Yeah, well, good for him. And good for you. Justin built a great company and put it into good hands. So I've been following you a little bit. You're still doing, one of the things we're going to be talking about later in this podcast is your new event, your live event coming up here, Flip Hacking Live. This has been one of the premier real estate investing conferences, events of the year. And my business partner, my coaching business partner, Gavin went to your event. Was it last year or the year before? Not sure, but it was really well run. And uh, he was in Phoenix at the time. So it wasn't that far. And I think you do these mm. events in, or you did them in Southern California somewhere, didn't you?
1: Yeah, the last four years they were in San Diego. And then this year we were planning to be in Orlando, but obviously with COVID-19 and everything, we've been pushed to, to a virtual event, which uh, we can talk about. But I'm, I'm actually really excited about what's possible with the virtual experience. Uh, but we we're planning to take it to the East Coast for the first time. And uh, I've even got a Disney trip around it
0: that I'm still going on. So I'm excited. Well, you know, we had some friends that just got back from Disney in Orlando and had a blast by the way anybody that's here before you leave this podcast because we got a lot more we're going to be talking about i'm going to be asking bill questions about what's working well now for him and for his students and what he's predicting to happen in the market going forward but before any of you bail for whatever reason i want you to go to fliphackinglive.com and check out bill's information on this event i um, mean there's a special coupon code called joe where you're going to get some access to some special free stuff that most people don't get access to which is going to be really cool but uh check it out flipping fliphackinglive.com i don't get anything out of this i'm just doing this cuz i like bill and the vent that he's doing so go check that out fliphackinglive.com coupon code joe all right and bill let's talk about the talk a little bit about what you are seeing that's working well today like everybody's talking about the, the housing market it was supposed to crash right prices are still going up. Inventory is still really tight. What's your perspective on where things are right now in the economy? So I
1: think I personally think the economy is propped up by like a feather. So yeah. it's, it's, it's really interesting what we're seeing. I think the, obviously we're, we're in real estate. So uh, I'm a wholesaler and flipper. We do almost two, like last year, we did almost 180 deals in the Southeast, primarily like Florida, Tennessee, Alabama. We do some deals around kind of like we've done a couple in Atlanta and Kentucky and stuff like that. Deals? What's that? Wholesaling deals. Yeah, mostly wholesale deals. I'd say we're about 80-20, about 20% of what we do is a fix and flip model. And then 80% is wholesale. We're mostly wholesaling stuff, like just buying it, cleaning it out, putting it on the market. And so that gives you some background on kind of the area that I'm in and what, what I do. And what's interesting to me is our, the marketing that we did before seemed pretty predictable. And what I see now, I just I actually just analyzed our entire deal tracker from the last 3 months yesterday. And what I saw was it's really unpredictable to see where a lot of our deals are coming in from from my company at least. We spend we spend about $40,000 to $45,000 a month on marketing to give everybody on the call an idea of about what we spend. And so we have pretty good data and I also track I'm an engineer so I track all the numbers and data and information. Awesome. So we've been able to like pinpoint the zip codes and the areas that are working really well for us and cutting our marketing spend specifically on direct mail. And what I found is that we we have this footprint that's working. So our direct mail combined with our online advertising, our website and our text messaging and ringless voicemail and follow-up system. All that combined is producing fruit. I think like if I took a couple of those things away, what I would see is I would have this fall in, in deal volume. So we're not doing any more than we were before. We're doing kind of like the same or even a little bit less deals than we did before. And so what what I'm finding is like, the more experienced investor that's doing higher volume, we're at the point now where our margins are getting squeezed pretty tight. And like, be perfectly honest with you, there are months where during COVID-19, where we've lost some money to continue marketing and keep my staff on board right now. So I think a lot, there's a lot of pressure that's happening to find these deals. What, the deals that we are finding are usually pretty juicy and that's helping us. Like we're actually making bigger spreads and that's what's kind of propping us up and continuing to allow the companies to make money. So, you know, it's a, it's definitely a challenging time in the market. I'll tell you right now, like everybody is trying to figure out what that is because our owner occupants aren't selling their houses right now. And so we've stopped all of that marketing that we used to do on owner occupants. And we've gone to absentee owners because these are the people who their tenants are probably not paying rent right now. They're seeing some pressure. They're trying to figure out like when they can even evict them. They don't want to go through that stuff. So we kind of doubled down on that. To kind of flush out some more deals. But I will say it's an interesting time because the inventory is low, like you said, which is obviously driving the prices up, like supply and demand. Our flips, if we had more houses to flip, I remember in March when this happened, our flippers stopped buying. I know they're kicking themselves right now as a wholesale company. I was telling them, like, I was pushing them, like, buy, buy, buy right now. Like, don't be scared. Why would you stop your buying model right now? And what happens is they don't feel that effect right away. They feel it three, six months down the road. So a lot of the flippers are like, I wish I, I wish I, you know, we were even given discounts, like 10% discount at that time on properties. They're kicking themselves now because there's no inventory. So inventory is going to drive that and since it's so low nobody's putting their house on the market you see the headlines and it looks like real estate's doing really bad but it's not it's because nobody's selling their house so when you have inventory you can name your price basically now where we're going is probably the next question you're going to ask me as has the moratorium on kind of like delaying paying your mortgage and things like that come up? And who knows what Congress is going to do. The stalemate that they're in is pretty frustrating for everybody. You know, even if they give another six months, we're probably going to see an influx of, like you talked about at the beginning, some foreclosures, a lot of uncertainty and things like that, that as it floods the supply, we're going to see prices go down and be more of a buyer's market. It's definitely going to happen at some point, And I definitely don't want to be the kind of last one. You know, saying that it's not like it did in 2008. So I'd say it's, it's, a, it's definitely challenging time for the fix and flip and wholesale side direct-to-seller type single-family marketing right now. So trying to figure out how to be really creative and make sure that the money that you're spending is really smart and that you're maximizing every lead. And you're also going into your database and doing follow-up because the people that weren't that motivated like six months ago are really motivated now.
0: You look at your numbers a lot. What are you seeing in terms of the percentage, just approximately, the percentage of your deals are coming from the follow-up and not necessarily the new leads.
1: So so I looked at that recently and I'd say we're we're probably seeing we used to see somewhere around like 15 or 20% like we actually weren't incredible at follow up like we should be. I always preach it to my staff and my team and now like when when March happened, March April time, I said, "Look, we are going to hit that database harder than ever." And so what we do in that database a lot of times is we send we send ringless voicemails specifically to our to our leads in our database and we just we send those out at strategic times that my lead intake team is ready to answer the return calls and we just drop them really heavy. And so we're we're seeing that almost double now. We're seeing like somewhere around 30 to 35% of that is longer term, like all of our deal timelines are longer right now. And so even I would say somewhere probably around 50 or 60% are now not selling to us in a week or 2 weeks of first contact. It's more like 3 months. Yeah. And so that shows a lot, like as we start seeing that, that that's why when people kind of get in and out of this business so fast, it's yeah. a huge problem. Like uh, it took me four and a half months to get my first deal and I was spending 5,000 a month. So I was $22,000 into my, this business of working before and after work. And I see people after a month like, this doesn't work. This business doesn't work. Marketing doesn't work. It's like, you have not given it enough time. So a, a high percentage actually is much longer term conversations that are happening. And I think a lot of people are seeing that because the cold calling model is you know really popular. And with that, it, it's longer term conversations. Like oh. you're, you're starting that conversation and then you're carrying it on for a couple months before you're do you actually. Do, do you do any direct mail follow up with your leads? Oh, do I like direct mail them again and again and again? So with we, your, with we your are, old leads. yeah. So, um, so every, like everybody that's in the database gets a card for me every month. Like yeah. it's like clockwork consistent. I have a standing on direct mail being like, I want my logo in front of people once a month and I want them to like curse my name when they throw it in the trash the company name, not mine personally, in the trash can of the recycling bin. And so I don't mix my message up a lot. I'm not like build the home buyer and then blackjack real estate, the business. I, I really went the more branded route where I just want consistency because I want them to be in a time like this and say, you know, who could probably buy our house right now? It's that company that has sent us 35 postcards over the last few years, not oh, who was that random person? It's, I don't know, direct mail marketing is really interesting. You have the emotional side of human beings yeah. that you can't control. So it's just kind of like when you get your card in front of them, hopefully I'm I'm on the top of that stack when they feel the way they feel and they're ready to pick up the phone and not, you know, curse me.
0: We looked at our numbers one time and it was pretty simple to see of the 58 deals that we did in that 12 month period, only four of them came from that first contact. And most of those deals were coming from cold calling. But only four came from the initial contact. And on average, it was seventy-eight touches over three to four months that we did the rest of those fifty-four deals. It's just about relentless follow-up. And it's hard to do. It's not easy because it's a lot, it takes some physical manpower, doesn't it? You know, because it's it's calling them, it's sending letters, it's emailing them and dropping voice drops, mail drops, and things like that. But yeah, that's that's huge, super important. What do you see in terms of Do you even study this much in terms of like interest rates? Is inflation going to kick into gear? Are we are we just kicking the can down the road with the government? I like the way. I like the way you phrased it, you know, propping the market up with a feather. But like, what's your prognostication for that?
1: I'll tell you, if I had a crystal ball, I would be really happy right now. I I, I just don't think there's anywhere for us to go. Like, where do you go? You go into negative interest rates. You go to a place where we just continue to uh, bail people out with our own money. It's funny because I went to the US Debt Clock. Have you ever seen that website? That website is crazy. You pull up the US Debt Clock, I think it's like usdebtclock.org. And if you go to that thing right now, it's just like it's ticking up like crazy. And they have a four-year projection on it. So I went back four years and it was like it was like half of the debt that we have now. And if you go forward four years to where they're projecting in 2024, it's like four times the debt. It's like 24 trillion or something. It's so
0: crazy. So you can see what they were predicting four years ago? You can so- see the
1: actual debt four years ago and then now, and then you can look to 2024 now and see where it goes. And so I was playing around with that just because I'm kind of weird and I like that stuff. So I don't know, like to answer your question, absolutely, inflation, no doubt about it. Like it's, it's inevitable. You can't say that that's not gonna happen. The cool thing is real estate is a great hedge against inflation. So even if you bought a house right now at, the, at a very expensive price, you're in a good standpoint with that, especially with interest rates. I think you could probably buy down a rate to like 2.5% right now. And so I think access to capital is going to be one of the biggest things that needs to happen right now, making sure that you're not over leveraged, you're not too deep in the market, like I'm not heavily invested in the stock market right now talk about propped up with a feather that I don't, the fundamentals just make no sense that it just dropped and went back up. It's like a, it's like a bouncy ball. And so for me, I'm being very specific about what I invest in. I have some cash reserves on the side that I'm just waiting and I'm going to start building more relationships with, with people, with lenders, with bankers, with, people that understood the short sales and the foreclosure world before and like really start asking questions of those investors in the last crash although it's going to it's significantly different now but what are some of the ways that you were finding deals and sourcing deals and doing things then because i think like we we have to stop thinking about what's working now and what was working in the past we need to start thinking about what's going to be working 6 months or 12 months from now and that's that's like the whole structure you mentioned that 3-day event that's what i want to put together it's like yeah. what are the real estate investors like the top real estate investors doing to think about the future, not to stand up on stage and talk about what they did in the last year, because that's, I, I just don't think that that's what we do all the time. And we're usually too late. We're like too late. Like you get to the texting, like everybody's texting and you're like, oh, I heard texting is really good. And then you're the fourth or fifth text message that they've got now. I always want to be kind of like the first person there. And sometimes being a pioneer is not a great thing, yeah. but th- like this story is retelling itself. So it's not like it's new stuff.
0: Well, this is why I think doing events like this, being in masterminds like this, one of the first things I said when March came around is I told everybody, listen, when I talked about this in the book. The worst thing you can do right now is slow down in your marketing and back out or stop participating in or drop out of masterminds and coaching programs. Like this is the worst time to do this is the time when you need to buckle down, invest even more into masterminds and coaching and go to to events like this and listening to podcasts because with real estate, it's not like the stock market where it drops on a dime and all of a sudden it's down 5%, 20% in a day or you know over a week or so. But real estate moves a lot slower. And you can see, you have a lot more time if you're a student of the housing market to see the trends and where they're going. And when you go to events like this, I wish I could do my own events like this. I, I've tried it, it's a lot of work. God bless you, Bill, for doing it. It's, guys, you don't realize how much work it is. It's a lot, even on a virtual event. It's a lot of work to pull these things off. But these are so important because you can network with people that are there, even virtually, you can network with people and see, all right, what are you seeing working right now? What's working well for you? What's working well for you? And then you get to hear from the experts, not just people pitching product after product after product, but people that are like, no, this is, this is where you need to be looking at right now. So important. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up again, because Flip Hacking Live is coming up. What's the date for that again? It's October 15th, 16th, and
1: 17th. And, October 15th, and 15th, 17th. I think, the you know, I've never, anytime I plan this event, it's all, it has always been like, what's working right now. And this is the first year that I've really had to challenge myself to say, there's so much like, opportunity uncertainty coming is to find this like opportunity in the fog it's kind of the concept that i'm thinking for this event is is everybody's so confused we're kind of like What's going to come in the future? And so I've challenged 24 speakers, like 24 people. I said, look, when you get on stage, I want you to bring the heat. I want you to hold nothing back. And I want you to tell me and everybody else, like, what are you thinking about and doing in your personal finances and your business world to be prepared for this going forward? Because they don't care about what you did in 2019. Like, nobody cares about that. Like, great. You can, we'll pat ourselves on the back later, but what are we, cause I want to know, I want to know what all of these experts are doing for their business right now to go forward. Forward because that's what it's about, and the cheese is definitely moving, and I kind of want to be there when it gets there. That's the hey, have you
0: read right. my book yet, Bill?
1: No, but I, I wrote it down, and I'm going to buy one right after this.
0: I'll send it to you for free. Remind me. But I talk about exact same thing. My one of my favorite books that I read in 2001, right after I graduated from college, and started working is that book, Who Moved My Cheese? And it's important to be always looking for that, you know, because trends change and things change. I will say this, and this is one of the reasons why I love wholesaling so much and the fast cash strategies. I think it's more important now than ever as this market shifts is being, knowing how to make quick nickels rather than slow dimes, right? Because when you do when you do too many slow dimes, there's so much potential for bad things to happen. But with quick nickels, you know, you're just in and out. And if the market is trending down, if prices are going down, that's fine. You just buy it a little cheaper, but you sell these things within two, four weeks, the market doesn't change that much over two to four weeks. And so, um, and I talk about this in the book a lot is finding the buyers and finding what they're buying. Cause there will always be people buying. And the great thing about housing right now in the market, I think there's a lot of money that's been sitting on the side for the last three, four years, that is dying to get back into the market. As soon as they start seeing prices dip, you just find out who those guys are and there's easy ways to find them. And you're gonna be talking about that, I'm sure at your event, but find out what they want, what they're willing to pay for and go get it for them. Right? It's not catching a falling knife. It's just, and that's what a lot of people do in the stock market, I think. And sometimes if they're not doing it right, when they're fixing it, flipping properties, hoping that the market in three to six months is still gonna be going strong. Anyway, I wanted to ask you, Bill, some more questions. About your team, you've mentioned your team a little, couple times before. What does your business look like? And I want to ask this question in the context of somebody that's just getting started and they're they're being maybe a little overwhelmed to hear these forty, fifty thousand dollars a month that you're spending on marketing. But like, so talk about what your team looks like now. But talk about also how you got there. You know, did you, that it was it always that big, or did you start off small and how did you grow? Yeah, let's start at the beginning
1: because there okay. there's probably more people that are that are at that place than anywhere else. So. That was the biggest jump that I had to make. I was so scared to hire my first person. This was a huge fear of mine. And I remember talking to my mentor, Andy. I said, hey, he's like, you got to hire somebody. You're flying full time. You want to do... At that time, I wanted to flip 12 houses a year. I wanted to just do a house a month. And... He, he said I, how are you going to be able to do that when it's just you and i said i don't want to be responsible for anybody i don't want to be responsible to put food on people's table that's just not what i want to do and i was definitely afraid of it i had led i was an officer in the military i had led dozens of people i had gone overseas i had been on deployment i had you know 30 people under me at one point and it just didn't dawn on me that i had the skills to do it i was just i wasn't responsible financially for them and so i fought it for a, probably a week and then came back and said okay i give up i'll hire somebody and for me I talk to people about hiring all the time. The key is figure out what you're really good at and what you're not good at and know yourself. If you get to know yourself really well, then you can figure out where your weaknesses are. And instead of strengthening your weaknesses, like everybody talks about and teaches people when you're a kid, right? Get Strengthen your weaknesses. No, I, I say like lean into your strengths and hire out your weaknesses. So find that person who's really good at doing what you're not really good at and they love it. Because like, I hate talking on the phone. If you call me on the phone, I'm not going to answer. I just don't like talking on the phone. And I was flying 10 or 12 hours a, a day. And I was sending out this marketing. So you see how like the, it's horrible, a combination there. Like I'm sending out this marketing with a phone number on it, but I don't want to pick up my phone. And... like I would send less marketing because I didn't want the phone to ring. It's counterintuitive to my business model. And so when I hired that person who really loves to talk on the phone, like, in fact, I had to tell her that we pay by the minute. So stop talking about your cat and church and stuff like that to people. When they call, start talking about their house. Like she loved talking on the phone. So I was able to turn up the dial on the marketing because I didn't have to answer it anymore. And when I was on vacation, she was answering the phone. So I hired this office assistant admin person who was a lead intake person and she could also do a little bit of bookkeeping and kind of catch all. So everybody's first hire is gonna be different, I think though. If you're not a good salesperson, you don't like talking to people, maybe you hire an acquisitions person or salesperson. If you don't like bookkeeping and you're not good at that, then maybe you hire a bookkeeper. If you're really good at that, maybe you hire
0: something else out. Don't fix your weaknesses, outsource them. Absolutely. You can only find a way to do that with, with exercise, Bill. If I could find a way to outsource yeah. my work, workouts. You
1: could do like some virtual workout, maybe. I don't think it's going to be too good for the waistline. But, you know, at that point, it was like, what's the next thing that I need to hire out? So what happens is you build up this. And, you know, Andy said it best. He, he had this like, he, he used this analogy like a cup of water. You have this cup of water, right? And this cup of water starts overflowing. And you need to, you need to take another cup and put it there to catch the water that's overflowing. So you just get totally saturated. And what happened was I brought in Didi, who was my first hire. And she, I kind of like emptied half my cup into her cup. And then our cups both started filling up. And then what I needed to do was I needed to kind of empty our cups into another cup, like bring on somebody else. So then I brought on a salesperson because I was, I was the hamstringing the company on the sales side. She was setting all these appointments, but I couldn't go on them because I was flying and I wasn't the best salesperson. And so so the salesperson came in and started closing deals. She went in the pipeline and looked in the database, started getting deals. And then I and then she flooded me with deals and I had to do all the transaction coordinating. I had to deal with this buyer. I had to deal with the seller. I had to deal with the title company. And so I said, I need some admin support. So I hired a transaction coordinator. And then they, we were started doing more and more and more. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like now I'm selling all these deals. I'm talking to all these buyers. I got to bring somebody in to deal with the buyers. And so I so I can continue to do the marketing and turn the dials and look at the numbers. And so it was an organic process that went from that first hire to doing more deals and more business and more volume and more money that allowed me to fund the next person and the next person and the next person. So it was really kind of this organic scaling. I didn't go and like hire seven people on day one. I hired one person and then I hired another. And honestly, I hired that first person and I told you it took me four and a half months to get my first deal in marketing direct to seller. So I paid her for four and a half months with no no income. And then I, and the only way that we got income was when I hired that salesperson on 100% commission. So when I put her in, she lit the fire. It was like she would drop a deal, then a deal, then a deal because she was regularly going on appointments and I was only taking the really hot leads. I didn't want to leave my family for something that didn't sound motivated and, and hot on the phone. How many times have you been on an appointment where they didn't sound motivated on the phone, but when you got there, they're like super motivated? Like we were losing all of those deals when it was just me. So, to tell some of those stories to tell you guys, if you're listening to this, then you can hire someone. Like it's not a huge leap. And a lot of times what people do is they say that person's going to cost me $35,000 a year. I don't have $35,000 in my bank account. Well, that person only costs about 2,800 to 3,000 a month or like 500 a week. So start breaking it down. So it's a little bit more of a bite-sized chunk. So it doesn't feel so big and like this huge jump because if it doesn't work out, you're not going to pay somebody for a year. You're going to pay somebody for three months, six months. Like I wouldn't recommend hiring somebody if you only have two weeks of their pay in the bank, but I would say, give yourself six months, figure out what that looks like. And then you can start bringing somebody in to help you because the exercise that I did was I took all the money that I made in the last year. And then I took all the hours approximately that I worked in the last year. And I divided the amount of money by the number of hours. And I got $55 an hour when, when I was doing it. I, I added all my interest, all my, no, all my W-2, everything, right? 55 bucks an hour. I was like, I'm still cutting my grass. I'm still going to Lowe's. I'm still putting lock boxes on houses. My time's valued at $55 an hour. So I need to hire somebody at $12 an hour so I can go make 100. And then now I'm gonna hire somebody at $20 an hour, $50 an hour so I can go make a 1,000. And it's just constantly kind of like moving up in your dollar per hour. And I mean, you talked about VAs earlier. You can hire a VA for you know 3 $4 an hour even to do some of this stuff. It's incredibly affordable. So my team right now looks like we have about, about 18 people in, in the real estate company. And I have about 18 people in the coaching company. So I have probably 40 people over the two companies that work for me now. And I have a COO that runs the real estate company. We have a sales manager that handles the lead intake folks and the salespeople. I have a marketing director and I have a operations manager who does the transaction coordinator she has system, have a finance like a um, cFO with a bookkeeper we have an in-house bookkeeper because now when i bought the other company i was able to bring bookkeeping in-house oh. and finance in-house instead of outsourcing that and then i have a like a automation, web developer person. And basically we do everything in-house. We do all of our own PPC, our Facebook, our, Mar- our direct mail, everything's in-house. I was able to kind of consolidate that with one person instead of using all the other services by finding the right person because we do so much marketing, like you said. Uh, my, my rut rate, my COO is well-paid. My staff is really well-paid. I pay myself pretty well. We probably spend, and we got to make $150,000 a month to keep the lights on. So, I mean, it's a big company now, but it's grown organically to that size. Good. It wasn't overnight.
0: Let's talk about how you do deals virtually. All right. You, you mentioned four or five different markets. Are you doing the marketing from you know, your office or, and you're handling the calls inbound in your office, right? Are you scheduling yep. appointments for somebody boots on the ground to go? We stopped doing in-person appointments in
1: January of this year.
0: Pre-COVID, I had no idea
1: COVID was going to hit, but one realization we had was we had too much windshield time. Like our sales reps were driving to and from the appointment and we were losing like two hours... Earn, yeah. at, at least of their time. And they were making one offer. So what we realized was like the offer is the money ball. Like we are trying to find the money ball in that it seems like, of course, offers are the money ball, but we were like, response rate is important or a live call answer that number. Like what percentage we answered live, like our percentage of dropped contracts. So like the actual close ratio of the contract, we, Looked at all these different numbers and said, "You know what? What if we could make a hundred offers a day? I mean, we could make a hundred offers a day, and even if we didn't have the like the one in four, we actually got our sales reps in person closing at like a like a thirty-three percent rate. Like one in three, they would close if they showed up on the appointment. And so we were really proud of that number. And but we were only seeing two or three people a day per rep." What if we just had a 10% close rate, but we had 100 offers? We'd be doing 10 deals a day. So that was the idea and the concept that we had. And then obviously, we had to like throw fire on it uh, or throw fuel on the fire. And in January, we started just making offers over the phone and we knew we weren't going to get as many accepted, but we tried to just get in front of more people. Like how many people are calling right now that want an offer, but we're forcing to go to their house and they won't let us. So we kind of accepted that model and started doing that in January. So we've been like a hundred percent virtual since probably like just after that February, early February.
0: Good. So do you have like a physical office or does everybody work for you virtually? I've never had a physical office um,
1: in like the last five or six years of doing this.
0: I'm in a physical
1: office now because funny enough in when COVID hit, I have three little kids. I have a a six-year-old now, a three-year-old and Mm two-year-old and they were out of school and out of daycare and I couldn't get anything done in my house. So I actually rented an office when everybody else left the office. So I'm the only one that works here. And this is more for the like a kind of mastermind and coaching company than it is the, the main office. But yeah, we don't have an office. Everybody works from home, and they always have.
0: Man, I just I just keep on looking at the background there of your office. And I'm like, thank on. So when we, before we leave this podcast, after we we get off the live, I want to take a picture of your background and and hire somebody to do it for me. Um, that's nice. It. We'll do it. So anyway, um, what are some what are some tips and advice, Bill, that you'll give that you would give to people who. Maybe looking at this market right now and thinking, should I, you know, wait until after the elections to start doing real estate, or should I wait until after the market we figure out what direction the market is going? What would you say? Would you say to somebody who's new, like, yeah, just wait, or no, this is the best time? Well,
1: Well, you you mentioned the election, and it's funny that you did because I have a story from about all like it's actually almost exactly four years ago. I had this guy who was buying a ton down in Pensacola, and he called me up and he said, "Hey, I've been looking at your deals. I want to buy some, but you know what?" I'm just, I'm not going to flip anymore because I'm not sure how this election is going to end up. And that was four years ago. And he was kind of, I wouldn't say he was a big name, but he had done a bunch of deals in that area. And I knew him. I knew about him. People were talking about him and I dropped off. I have not ever seen him buy a house since then. We, we sell, we probably control about 25 to 30% of the cash transactions that go on in that city in my company right now. I mean, that's our, we make over a million dollars in this small area. And so I would know if he was buying, believe me. And so I tell that story because I've made millions of dollars in the past few years yeah. when he took a he took a, a back seat to say, what if I genuinely believe that money can be made in real estate at any time, it really can. It's You have to decide what your strategy 100%. is. Strategy and tactics and techniques are gonna change, right? Yeah. But there's money to be made. It's just a transfer of wealth in anything. The stock market is the same thing, real estate. the same thing. You read my book,
0: I swear, Bill. I, <laughs> I talk about the same exact thing. Wealth doesn't disappear, it just transfers.
1: Totally, I mean, well, you're writing about like genuine age old concepts, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't have an original thought in this business a- at all. Like I just model other people, I try to get really good at what I do. I learn, I'm a, I am study, I test, I, 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 I hypothesize, I test and I pivot. Like that's what I do. Those are my three steps. I think this is gonna work. Let me try it. it. It worked or it didn't work. What am I gonna do next? How do I develop it a little bit? This is engineering me. So the election side of things, like throw it out the window. Whatever happens just figure out how to capitalize on that opportunity. Now, if you're just getting started in real estate, like I honestly think that there could not be a better time to start than right now. If you're like me, where you have a thriving business, a bigger business, then our margins are getting compressed, but I have the equity inside of that business to be able to handle that and make decisions. If you're in that middle, like the, that, that kind of dangerous middle right now, I feel like If you, if I was scaling and dumping all my money back into my company and growing, and then I hit this time, I would be, I would have some pause. I'd be like, okay, I got to rethink what I'm doing. Like crap. I just spent the last two years of booming times, putting all my money back into this machine that was supposed to pay off and hit the lottery. And now I'm starting to see some compression. That's where I see a lot of the stress happening is in that middle. But if you're just getting started, like there couldn't be a better time in my mind to start than right now, because when the stock market's down when the when the real estate market's down like there's not a better time to jump in and you're about to like right now you can get some knowledge understand the opportunity that's happening determine where you want to be what strategy you want to use and just just watch and go like you don't have anything to lose i, totally uh, I don't know have. especially
0: when you're when you're doing the fast cash strategies the fast nickel rather than the slow dime it's so much easier to pivot and that saying is so true you know the best time to plant a tree the two best times are 20 years ago and today. So yeah, it's I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm excited about the market. Yeah, super cool. All right, let's talk about your event coming up. Uh, fliphackinglive.com. Let me put the uh, banner up here. There it is. Talk about what you're doing at the event. And if you would, Bill, and talk a little bit about what they get if they use a the coupon code. Joe. Now, by the yeah. way, I just want to be clear. I approached Bill. I said, hey, I want to talk about your event because I know my people need it. And I'm not doing an event like this. But I mean, I've heard the great things that I've been to his events before. So I really recommend this. This isn't something where I'm getting anything out of it. I'm not. Bill didn't ask me to promote this. I approached Bill and I said, hey, can I talk about your event on my podcast? So fliphackinglive.com. Talk about what this event is, what you're doing. It's all virtual. So nobody needs to travel. And what do they get when they use the coupon code Joe?
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, Joe, thank you. You uh, reaching out to me, it was, I mean, I've been following you for a long time. So it's really cool to to get to know you a little bit on the podcast and exactly right. Like uh, this is, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to come talk about it. So this is our fifth year of this event. It's a three day event. And we, we take like, my goal is to take people on a journey, like over those three days to show you what's possible, not just not just like tactics, techniques, and strategies, but that's like like be 75% of that, but 25% of the the mindset and the barriers and limitations that you have that you run into. Because ultimately, like you can have all the tactics, strategies, and techniques in the world, but if you hit that wall and just turn around and walk backwards, instead of scaling it, jumping over it, figuring out how to climb over, like that's more important, Typically, like almost like nine times out of 10 than the best tactics and strategies and things like that. Like, so we bring some, I have some keynote speakers that come in to do some motivational stuff. And then everybody that's on that stage is doing like, I think our lowest, like the person on the stage is probably like 750,000 to a million a year in gross profit. Uh, And everybody's, you know, like multiple six, seven figure income earners per year sharing their strategies. And we, I tell them like, they can't hold anything back. Don't give them like half of the, half of the strategy and then say like, Oh, go download this thing to get the rest. It's like, you should be able to sit there in their 30 minute presentation and be able to implement the exact strategy that they're using in your market right now, like, today. And so if I can put 24 of those people, there's going to be one thing that you can use to go. And this is like most people's business. That's all they do. Like last year, we had a guy that laid out his cold calling system, like soup to nuts, his entire cold calling system, his scripts, he gave his scripts away, everything. And they were doing, you know, seven, eight deals a month from that. And we had a lot of people take that and go do 50, 60 deals the next year, just from that. So- that's the concept behind it it's uh I just want people to leave better than they came whether that's personally or professionally we've had people that have never done a deal before do million dollars in the next 12 months afterwards it's really incredible to and that's not typical results not everybody does that right but the action takers are, and the people that come to something like that spend those three days it's been game changing for me personally like I'm kind of like the hair club for men guy I'm like the guy who was like I was a paying client and now I'm the owner right so it's 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 cool to see that kind of transition.
0: I, that just clicked. Yeah, I get it.
1: I'm not just a client. I'm also the president. You know, it, it's been it's been cool for me. I mean, I remember yeah. the first time that we did this event in San Diego. There was 150 people there, and last year we had like 625 people in the room. And it's just and we had we had Jocko Willink who wrote Extreme Ownership. Come last year, we had a, a couple other keynote speakers, just some amazing stuff. And so so if you use the code, I set it up. So we would never sold recordings from the events in the past, but talking to Joe, I wanted to do some bonuses for you guys. So what I did was I put together the the last four years of the event. I realized we're about two months away from the event. So what we did was we set up a membership site where you can get all the last four years of the recordings. And what I did was I selected the ones that have lasted the test of time. So you don't have to go through and like watch strategy from four years ago that doesn't work anymore. So, or something we're not using. So I went through and I picked out the best presentations from the last four years. There's about there's probably about 15 or 20 presentations from all that. That is really like meaty, juicy content that that's, that's great right now. So, cause I don't want, I know when I get the stuff, I'm like, man, I don't want to surf through like 20 recordings to find the one that I want. So I actually took the time to go through those last four years and all, like you should be able to watch every single one and get value from it. Cause I know that your time's limited just like mine. And then also my mentor, Andy, he he is probably the one of the best at seller financing that I know, and I've been on so my have,
0: before too. I think twice. Oh,
1: he's yeah, Andy McFarland, amazing, uh, incredible investor was kind of, I built my company around his company. I just took what he was doing and I did the same thing. Yeah,
0: and, hard, uh, um, investors I know.
1: Yeah. Uh, and the, one of the most like down to earth, just amazing, genuine guys, oh. like cares way more about others than he does about himself. it's just really cool to, to be, be around him. So he'll be a speaker at the event for sure. Yeah. And he's going to tell his story about, I don't want to give away his presentation, but it's amazing. I, he told me what it's going to be. It's fantastic. So he did this four-hour training in Salt Lake City for other investors about how to use seller finance. And um, it's interesting because two years ago at Flippacking Live, he gave a presentation and in there, it's he said, these seller financing techniques work right now in a seller's market, but I don't know when it's going to happen, but the market is going to shift. And when it does, these work even better in a buyer's market. Totally and that quote. I just went back and listened to that presentation. So his presentation is in the recordings. But what we did was we also put together his four-hour training that we used to sell for like $1,500. And we put it in the membership site too so you guys can have it. So uh, it's sub to uh, owner finance, like owner wraps, uh, a lot of his documentation and stuff like that. So it's really cool training. How much are tickets? Uh, right now, tickets are $297. Next week, they go up. So we bring the t- ticket prices up a little bit. We do have, we have like this this big zoom account. And so we have a capacity. So we definitely, we, we've sold out every year to the size of our event. I think we'll sell out this year for sure. Uh, the, the other cool thing that I didn't talk about is we're treating this like an actual event. So, you know, when you go to an event, you like get a bag of stuff, like a, it's like a shirt or a hat or a water bottle and, and program and notebook and pens. Well, we're going to do all of that. We're going to mail you that stuff ahead of time. So you're actually going to get the swag box that you would if you were there. And we're going to send it. So if you're in Canada or UK or Australia or South Africa, we're going to send it to you. I, I mean, as long as you sign up before like early October, we're going to send it to you. And then we also have like a full check-in process. Where we actually talk to somebody one-on-one just like you would when you're checking into the event. Uh, we have a really cool dashboard. We're playing some games. It's like an Easter egg hunt. You have to find points. Really cool stuff that we're able to do on a virtual event to make it more like it's not a webinar. It's not a Zoom call. It's not three days of being lectured at and, and talked to. So it is going to be like an immersive event where we have surprises for you in the box that you can use at different times, breakout sessions, networking, all that stuff. So, all right, I probably I probably oversold it a little bit.
0: No. No, man, I highly recommend it. I really do. And uh, guys, I encourage you to go check it out, fliphackinglive.com. Use the coupon code Joe, and they'll get recordings to the previous four events, right? And mm-hmm. then also they get this access to Andy's course on owner financing and subject twos, which is, I think, going to be really, really good. Do If they can't make all three of days of the live event, do you are you doing recordings or not? So we have an all-access VIP upgrade that
1: you can do after you get your ticket. And that includes the recordings of the event. So yeah, we just launched that, I think like Thursday or Friday of last week. So that's brand new. We don't have like a page to go to. If you get your ticket and then you'll get, at some point, you'll get an email from us talking more about that. And there's some Q&A lunches. I have a celebrity guest on Thursday night that's going to do a keynote presentation with us and he's going to do Q&A with me, but I'm not going to announce who that is. It's a surprise. Me and one other person know and that's it. So I think that we got to have some surprises in this stuff. Sure. And so there's a couple other uh, like, There's some front of the line Q and a stuff and some other things, but I love the fact that those were like the recordings will be available afterwards. Uh, It takes us like 30 to 60 days to get those things like processed and downloaded and structured and everything, but the VIPs will get it.
0: Super cool. And it's going to be virtual. You can be in your underwear. Just keep your camera yeah. off.
1: Yeah, pants pants optional. Just yeah, just w- it's funny because we have a um, we have an announcement in the beginning. So like a, a sheet of instructions, and in there there's a paragraph that says with you, just be, your camera on, we will be able to see you. Do not bring it into the bathroom with you and stuff like that. It's put... we have a disclaimer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah we, we've seen some crazy stuff. Uh, the event planners have seen... Our event planner, by the way, did uh, Tony Robbins' UPW event where he had uh, oh, yeah, was amazing registered people, over 40,000 people watching it. He has 360 degrees. So We're actually building out a studio in North Carolina where we're going to present the event live from stage. I'll be there. I'm flying in the keynote speakers, so they're, they're presenting from stage just like they would be in a hotel. So this isn't like, you're not going to see this background. I'm going to be in a studio where I can see everybody. We have cameras, TVs, everything. I can so are see you, are each you individual. Person. Using,
0: are you using a studio that's already been built for it? So the studio
1: they, they were, we are like, uh, building out a studio that they use. So they have the AV equipment there, but we build it out to our specs. So it's going to be our branding. It'll be my furniture on the stage. Um, everything that we're, we're, we're investing a lot of money in this event. This isn't just like, hey, come to come to my Zoom event here in my office. I'm going to be flying out to North Carolina with my team. Um Andy's coming out there with me, uh Mike Simmons, a couple other of my my teammates are going to come out there. We'll have about 8 of us there. My videographers will be there. We'll be We'll be able to show like everybody, like everybody's in different Zoom rooms. I can see them all. When you're on stage, you can see every single person in front of you, just like we're presenting to an audience.
0: Make sure, hopefully, you have somebody auditing and watching the cameras of the people that are on.
1: I, uh, it's funny because I attended one of these. So I I don't like, I don't just talk about the fact that I watch what other people are doing. I I bought five tickets to an event just like this about a week before it launched that my event planner was doing. And I sat in the audience all three days. We took notes on what we liked, what we didn't like uh, the structure. We basically hacked that event to see what, like, what did they do that we need to do? What do they do wrong that we want to do different? How do we want to show up and make sure that our event is the best? And so like, it's funny because I have a couple screenshots where there's, there's like an, an old guy in a chair, like asleep, and there's just all kinds of stuff happening in your zoom room and, and what you see. So it's, it was really cool experience. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, after those three days, the next day I wanted another. I wanted another day, and wow. I wasn't even that interested in the topic. But they they just do such a good job of bringing you into the story and making you feel like you're part of it. I was, you know, playing games, trying to get points. I was talking to the sponsors. It's all kinds of stuff that that that. It, I don't know. It was exciting. I really enjoyed it. And some of the speakers were just like captivating, amazing, like Sweet. really moving speakers. And that's the key, I think. So, so
0: is your main platform? I'm just curious. Going to be Zoom. It is. Yeah.
1: So, um, so zoom, but we have 15 different rooms that, so each person will be in a, a different room. We have a dashboard that we use that we build out online that, um, so, so like somebody can't share the zoom link, you have an actual login, you log into the dashboard that takes you to the zoom room and, uh, some really cool tech that, that we have, we have yeah, some like virtual, virtual backgrounds for people and all kinds of cool stuff. So
0: I'm really looking forward to seeing that I'm going to be there. flippackinglivecom live.com slash or not. Dot com. It's just and then there's a coupon code Joe. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's going to be an amazing conference and it's three days. So I'd encourage you all to sign up and set aside those three days. Don't think that you're going to go and you're going to, you know, do chores while you listen. No, you need to set aside some time to sit in a room with a pen and paper and take notes. Because even if you did get the recordings upgrades, it's still gonna be 30, 45 days later until you get it. Maybe 60 days, because that takes so much time to edit all of that stuff. So good, You you guys, hopefully you can see why I recommend this event, because I could never pull something off like this. Bill has the organizational chops and the, we're like an event. I look at us like an event company. And
1: this is this is what we do. And I think we do it really well. And I, honestly, I've, we talked about strengthening your weaknesses. If I had to put this together, it would be like this background. Like we have the top. I hired the top company in the world, frankly, right now to do live and virtual events to work with. And that's it. And they're not cheap. And we spend a ton of money and risk up front putting this on. And so uh, Joe, you mentioned setting aside three days because in any, and, and this isn't just my event, like I'm going to give you guys this advice for any event or anything that you do, frankly, whether it's a coaching program or an event or anything that you buy or spend time with your time is the most valuable resource that you have. I realize that I'm asking for three days of your time and that's hard, but I would be asking for five days at a live event with a plane ticket, a hotel away from your family. You get to sleep in your bed. You get to tuck your kids in. You get to spend time at home if you want to, or you can go get an Airbnb or a hotel and do it that way. But you don't know the one presentation that you need to hear that you are probably going to miss if you don't set aside the time. Like there's something over these three days that you need to hear that like God, a uh, higher power, whoever it is, put you in this place at that time to hear that thing. And you will be moved to yeah. the point of tears, yeah. laughter, light bulb goes off, whatever it is, but you will miss it. If you don't have your eyes open and paying attention, because I, I go to these events, like I, I go to other people's events, not necessarily to get the content, but to like, look for speakers. I look for keynote speakers. I take, I, I'm looking for concepts and ideas. And I, I like, take all of this content to put it together to deliver it and like concentrate it for people. And so I've been to events where I didn't know who the speaker was. And by the way, two of the people that I'm hiring for this event, actually three of them, three, all three keynote speakers that I'm hiring for this event. I saw at another event, I cried, I laughed, I... I had amazing ideas, pages of notes. When they spoke, they moved me that three years later, I've been trying to figure out where to put them, how to place them, how to work them into the messaging and where we, where we are in the world and our life in real estate. And I would have skipped it. Like I would have skipped it because I I didn't know who they were. Like the the huge speaker that was there. And this person that, that I'm hiring, I wanted to see this other person, but they didn't give like, I didn't need that. And they just didn't, it just wasn't the thing. It was the big name, this other message. I needed to hear it. And I would have, I would have missed it. And yeah. my life would be totally different if I missed it. So there's something in that coaching program. There's something, and you might've already bought it, like go back through and you're in a different place now than you were then. So th- that was something I wish I knew earlier is like, when I go to these events, it's, it's not like, when can I skip out to, to network or make a phone call or like commit to it, you yeah we're asking for your time, but I'm going to deliver a, like a movie over these three days. You want to see the beginning, middle and end to hear the whole story.
0: Excellent, man. Thank you, Bill. Super cool. I'm looking forward to the event. Um, and guys go again, go to fliphackinglive.com Use the coupon code Joe to get the special stuff. And yeah, it'll be really cool. And the dates are middle October, 14, 15, 16, yeah. 15, 16,
1: 17, October
0: 15, 17th. This is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Good. And uh, hurry up and get to this site now because the prices will go up in a week. Cool. All right. Hey, Bill, appreciate you being on the show. Really do. Uh, you have a podcast too. Talk about that. Where can people go to get your podcast?
1: I do. Um, we have a, a podcast that's called Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. I do kind of uh, like longer style interviews like this. But that's primarily what I do on that podcast. And then I just launched this Flip Hacking Live podcast. It's a really short, like t- uh, trying to keep it to 15 minutes, but I, I, you can probably tell I talk too much. So, and that's just kind of like short concepts, answering
0: like one question cool. if I can in that. So, so Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. And the Flip Hacking yeah. Live podcast. And you have a YouTube channel? Uh, we do, yeah. Seven Figure Flipping YouTube channel. I'm trying to figure that
1: out now. I don't know YouTube, but we uh, we launched a. Uh, you talked about timing, getting in and out. We have a guy that flips houses in seven days. So we did a TV show called The Seven Day Flip on there. And it was like, uh, so you can see Andre's work. If you like the background, you can see his his TV show. We created a nine episode TV show and launched it on YouTube. So it's kind of cool. You can follow a guy who's trying to flip four houses in seven days in Salt Lake City. So we followed them around for seven days and uh, they're doing four houses in seven days, so that was fun to do.
0: (laughs) Cool. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Got some good little nuggets out of there. Check out the website, realestateinvestingmastery.com if you want to get the show notes or the transcript of all of this. And the links that we've talked about, they're all at Real Estate Investing Mastery. Or you can go to r R e i m podcast podcast podcast.com. All right. We'll see you all later. Bill, hang on for a second. But uh, we appreciate you guys being on the show. Uh, Take care, everybody.